What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Aussie podcast. This is our 14th podcast together, and this week we're going to be analyzing and predicting the UFC 268 pay-per-view going down from Madison Square Garden this Saturday. I'm joined by my co-host, as always. How are we doing, Ozzy? Yep. What's going on, guys? Uh, you know, happy to be back, uh, you know, in the flow of uh, it after a, a really, really good pay-per-view uh, event and then going right into this huge card uh, in MSG this week. Um, you know, just getting really into the flow of just betting overall um, across sports and, you know, did, uh, you know, came out really nicely in the last uh, few weeks. Recap that uh, that last week for us on your bet MMA while you're at it. Yeah, so, um, you know, last year, I think, was a year, you know, when COVID was, like, in the midway point, like, the midway point of the year, I wasn't having as much success with money lines, and also, I, I started kind of, like, pivoting a little bit more to towards props, and I kept that that way a little bit uh, this past weekend, so hit on two of my three uh, money line plays, all dogs, uh, in uh, Glover, obviously, in the main event, Mikal on the prelims, and had that small shot on Tybora, although I also did love the over- in that fight and that kind of came through pretty easily as well um and then hit on a, you know a bunch of other props yon decision um goes a distance in the tag year fight so kept it a, a little bit more i wanted it to be a little bit more low variance because sometimes on these pay-per-view cards you know for me just you know weird things happen uh and it came out uh just above six units on less than 12 units uh played overall so really good night Nice, nice. And just a 1.55 unit profit for me. I think I have profited in about six UFCs in a row, though. So we're on a pretty good streak and uh, finished October like over 17 units profit on my bet MMA. So we're Very on a good, good, we're on a good, good roll here and we're going to keep that rolling into this card this weekend. 14 fights, Madison Square Garden. Got an incredible main card, some really good prelims. Uh, great title fights and some lesser prelim fights as well. We're going to start with those lesser prelim fights. We're going to get into the first fight, flyweight division, where we have Ode Osborne as the minus 183 favorite. Carlos Vergara, CJ Vergara, making his UFC debut, plus 158. And you can start this one off, Ozzy. What are you thinking about this one? Two pretty inexperienced guys. Yeah, sure thing. So, um, you know, it's a fight we have uh, Vergara coming off a contender series win uh, where, where he fi just finished up. Uh, you know, I think Bruno Correa uh, really, really quickly. You know, he's a guy who he'll he'll fight in both stances, southpaw and orthodox. But he's really coming forward very, very aggressively. I personally was on Correa in that last fight. I just thought that he'd be able to mix it up more uh, and 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 probably take advantage of the ground game of Vagara. Uh, O'Day got you know hit with that flying knee in his first attempt, uh, first fight at 125 against Cop. This is a significantly uh, this is a pretty significant um, drop in competition for him. But I think that this fight probably is pretty close overall. Both guys uh, are, are okay, you know, coming forward. I think Vergara probably, you know, walks into a punch or two here because O'Day is more likely to give a little bit of space. Um, and this being the bigger cage, I think that he'll be able to play that up a little bit, maybe catch Vergara, you know, at the end of a, you know, one or two shot, you know, combination as he's trying to come in. And then in terms of the grappling, I do think that O'Day has more, a more opportunistic submission game, uh, but maybe Vergara, you know, has some, some more of the grappling, uh, you know, wrestling chops. So I'll lean towards O'Day here. Uh, the chalk, price i don't think it's that bad for him honestly i know some sharp guys on him uh personally and i think that he probably is able to use a little bit of his length here to uh stop most of the offense coming from uh cj 
Yeah, I agree with most of that, except for there being any value on O'Day. I just think this guy is way too volatile and unproven to be laying um, any juice on, really, especially above minus 150. Um, that's kind of where I would cap the fight, like maybe a 55, 60% advantage for Osborne. But I'm not so sure where the crazy confidence is coming in O'Day from people. Both these guys are pretty volatile. Neither has great defense. O'Day was knocked out just about three months ago, and he is cutting a lot of weight down to this 125-pound weight class. So I'm definitely not in love with playing him. It's just a matter of whether you want to take a small stab on Vergara. And honestly, I think this guy is aggressive enough. He throws offense with you know his punches, his knees. He mixes it up pretty well. He definitely has pretty bad defense. He has been dropped. He got dropped by Jacob Silva, of all people, um, in one of his recent fights. Definitely not a good look there. But I just feel like this is going to be a volatile, high-action uh, fight where probably someone gets knocked out in the first round, honestly. So... Um, I think the unders here are probably the way to go. Maybe under two and a half. I thought that that was pretty reasonably priced. And uh, someone's probably going to get knocked out in this fight, even though these guys are uh, little. They're 125. Uh, they're just so aggressive and volatile, defensively bad. Uh, I expect one to get knocked out. I don't think any grappling is going to happen either. Neither of these guys really likes hitting offensive takedowns. Um, so if anyone's grappling, it's going to be O'Day. So I'll slightly lean O'Day as a straight up pick, but Vergara is probably the side at plus 158. And that's going to take us to the next fight in the featherweight division where we have Melsic Bogdazarian as the minus 300 favorite taking on Bruno Souza plus 250 underdog. Ozzy and I are definitely big fans of Melsic. We were both, uh, sorry about that motorcycle, but uh, we were both pretty high on him in his last fight. Um, knocked out Colin Anglin in the second round and just looked really solid in that fight. Looked really good in the contender series. And I think this guy is steadily improving, comes from that kickboxing background, but uh, has some good get-up games. I think the last podcast, Ozzy mentioned something about he he knows a good grappler that the Melsic is training with, and it it showed in that fight. Uh, he got briefly taken down, but did a good job getting back up to the feet. And you know, looking at the footage of Souza, pretty underwhelmed by everything I saw. The guy's a decent offensive striker, but he's been hurt by uh, punches before. Um, and I just don't think I want to be back in any type of striker against Melsic. I mean, this guy's a nasty striker. And if I were back in anyone against Melsic, it would want to be a pretty dedicated grappler. And I just don't see much grappling at all from Souza. Um, haven't seen him initiate many offensive takedowns throughout any of his fights and actually saw a pretty bad defensive grappling from him. So I'm not too impressed with anything from Souza. I think he's probably, you know, drawn dead here, honestly. I think he's going to get outstruck. I don't think he has the grappling to take Melsic down. And I think we're probably going to get another Melsic beat down and hopefully a finish so maybe some value on the uh again the under here maybe melsic uh knockout inside the distance and uh what are you thinking about this matchup for our boy melsic uh so you know bruno souza short notice he is like a new style uh brazilian weasel kind of fighter where uh you know he's just kind of like picking at you you know he doesn't really win fights that clearly you know if you give him some opportunity like he'll take it he's pretty competent um but he's just moving around the cage like you know with doing karate stuff uh, on the feet doesn't really throw strong punches when he does throw he'll, he'll throw those like where he's like walking his stance you know like those steven thompson punches uh but just not very active a little soft i feel i feel like if melsic uh, is able to hit the body here this guy could go down um but this guy's the weasel man i know uh, guys have lost uh you know money uh fading bruno souza i don't know how how many uh, occasions i've bet against him uh but he's definitely won a few fights that you would think that he wouldn't win um 
a Melsic on the feet. He's really powerful. He's quick. Uh, he he makes sure the fight is on his pace. Uh, and I think that uh, Souza, I don't remember if he goes into Southpaw very often, but I think Melsic should be able to light kick uh, him pretty often just because of how bleeded uh, Souza's stance is. But Souza's tough, man. He's been five rounds before. He was five rounds in his last fight. That was a fight that I was against him uh, with Javier uh, Garcia. But he went five rounds there, so he's got good cardio. But I think Melsic is definitely the better fighter at three to one. It's a, He's a pretty you know, big size favorite. Um, so, you know, I'd maybe look to see maybe Melsic a prop, you know, try to stab a Melsic by decision just because Souza is such a weasel. But Melsic could definitely finish this guy for sure. So, you know, I pick him, but I was hoping to see a different kind of fight for him in his, his second uh, UFC fight. Yeah, he was about the same price as, as Laramie, honestly. And Laramie is, you know, not good, but he's probably a better grappler than Sosa. So uh, Sosa might be getting a little too much credit, honestly, in, in the betting line. Um, that's going to take us to our next fight, which takes place in the light heavyweight division. Bit of a short notice matchup here. We have the short notice Justin Jacoby as the minus 350 favorite. John Allen plus 275. Allen was supposed to fight... Um, who was he supposed to fight? I had to bet on him against Kamur. Yeah, Alexa Kamur, um, who is terrible. Unfortunately, uh, Kamur got pulled out um, within the past weekend. Dustin Jacoby is the one filling in, and he's a pretty significant favorite. So what do you think about that, Oz? you think that minus 350 is justified, or do you think that's a little too wide? Oh, I mean, you have to look you know, a little bit further and, and try to look at the uh, fights and how John Alon, or Alon, I'll just call him, uh, fights. And, I mean, I think it could be a fight that potentially he can make a little, a little bit closer. But the thing with Alon is he doesn't really have any really good offense of his own, right? Like, he, he's pretty sloppy overall. I don't think he's a particularly good grappler, So which, which is the only thing I think would uh, be of substance here against Jacoby. Jacoby here will have a, you know, I guess a little bit of a reach advantage. Um, and just on the feet, I don't think that Alon, you know, poses enough threats in that big cage for, for him to make, uh, Jacoby uncomfortable, but I'm not playing Jacoby a minus 350. So, um, you know, a little bit of a moot point there, but I could see this fight, you know, um, Jacoby was able to knock out Stewart, but I'm like, I say it often, I'm not convinced off of one knockout that a person is like a knockout artist, which you've seen in the past. And I don't know how many times. Alon's been uh, finished, but I don't think it's too many. So I'd probably be looking maybe at the over uh, for for uh, Jacoby to get off, you know, start off a little bit slow, slower because he's fighting a guy with uh, that he's not as familiar with. Um, and Alon's never been knocked out going looking at it. But, you know, he's only been to three decisions. Though. So uh, I'd take Jacoby, but, you know, total pass fight for me. Yeah, I like Jacoby. Um, you know, we both kind of endorsed him pretty heavily last fight against uh, Stewart, which was just a really good matchup for him. But um, looking at his recent runs since he came back from his kickboxing stint, he's had two dominant decisions over two low-level guys, two knockouts over two mid-level guys. And then the two best fighters he fought, he had really close decisions with both guys, um, squeaked out a draw against Kudalaba. And a lot of people thought he lost that Maxim Grishin fight. So I like Jacoby. Uh, I think he's a, a really fun striker to watch, a really skilled striker, and he also has pretty solid takedown defense, but he can be pushed against the cage. He can um, spend a lot of time, you know, in those cage push situations, and I don't think he's some, like, defensive mastermind at, or anything at range. 
And we saw that in the Justin Ledet fight. Some of those exchanges were real close. Um, and, you know, that fight did not look exactly minus 300 uh, in the short time that it lasted. So I feel like Allen has the necessary skills to make this closer than plus 275. Uh, just rewatching some of his footage. I think the guy is a decent distance striker, um, was having success versus Delidze at range, uh, Mark, uh, Mike Rodriguez as well. And he does shoot takedowns somewhat often. He had a lot of takedowns on Rodriguez, hit a brief takedown on Delidze. So we're not talking about the highest level of competition here, obviously. But the guy is a somewhat well-rounded fighter. Um, like you said, he's never been knocked out as well. So I think that he can, you know, cage push, maybe attempt some takedowns and hold his own at distance here to make this a little closer than plus 275. So I say, you know, a very small half unit or less uh, bet on um, Allen here is warranted. Um, but, you know, definitely got to pick jo or lean towards Jacoby by decision. And that's going to take us to the next fight, possibly the main event of the card. Um, you know, hearing a lot of chatter, a lot of buzz uh, in the casual community about this fight. I mean, everyone around the world is talking about this fight. John Vellante as the slight favorite, minus 131, taking on Chris Barnett, plus 111. Uh, emotional moment in MMA. Uh, John Vellante announcing his retirement this week. This will be his last MMA fight. So. You know, what What kind of emotions does that bring up for you as a New York MMA legend? I'm I'm I, I, as John Vellante, New York MMA legend. Let's just specify. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, Vellante, I tell people all the time man, Vellante and MSG is a different kind of beast. I was, you know, I'm a big Vellante fan. Uh, was on him huge against Maurice Green, and he like hyperventilated, and you know, <laughs> it does a class like nobody could ever forget that fight about how Volante drops him and is still able to be submitted by like an air air choke is crazy. But you know, Volante, this heavyweight run has not gone great for the guy. And if <laughs> you think about his last light heavyweight fight, he got put down by a body shot. So you know, he is retiring. I was in the building. Just add more credence to Volante and MSG when he fought Corey Anderson. And I, you know, pretty good seats. You know, me and a few guys there definitely bet it. We were saying how Corey, you know, Corey's coming off that uh, win on the Ultimate Fighter. We were thinking that he's, you know, go far. Uh, and we were talking a lot of shit about Volante, I'll tell you, first two rounds. And it so happened that right next to us was Jean Volante's family. Like his like his like cousin and her and her dad, so his uncle were literally sit, sitting right beside me. So they're like, hey, don't talk about the guy like that. I'm like, hey, I I'm just calling it how I see it. And then when he knocked out Corey Anderson out, obviously everybody went crazy. And I kid you not, five rows behind me, a fight of his family members uh broke out i was i asked the girl that was next to me she, i'm like what's going on she's like oh there's some crazy family drama going on in there but you know Volante here he's fighting barnett this is like this is a fight that they're giving Volante. they're like come on bro like you should win this fight like you got teammates on the Clearly. card training like what come on bro like you know you got a new baby like let's you know come on you know do, get get something done last ufc fight um, but you know, Barnett, the guy's weird, weird fighter. Like he just, he moves pretty quickly in spurts. He has like some good punches. Like he'll throw like an overhand. He'll throw some, he'll throw good punches overall. I think like the arc and the power behind him is solid, but I got to think that Volante eventually is going to be able to scoop up like a high single leg, high C, like a high crotch, uh, and take Barnett down. And once he does have him down, you know, he should be able to land some good ground and pound, but I'm, you can't be caught like the guy's retiring, you know, all this other stuff, you know, it's just like a, a very, 
bad concoction for laying juice on it. I did get a small ticket at like plus 110, but I would not advise anybody laying that juice right now because it does uh, does add up and, you know, Volante could uh, lose here. But I think he's really savvy and even slowing down the fight. So uh, I'd lean with him. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Same boat. I was also in the building uh, for that uh, fight, you know, back in uh, Newark, New Jersey. I was uh, Prudential Center, right? Um, what was the, I thought the that time? was MSG, but yeah, I guess no, that was no. it was way okay. before that. Um, uh, Volante in the Northeast is a different beast. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the tri-state area, you know, tri-state Vegas same. is not for him and there's too many distractions for Volante down there. Yeah. And um you know, Volante, uh, it's just, it's a fat guy kickboxing fight, you know. I, I got to trust the more experienced guy, Volante. Barnett um, looked terrible against Rothwell. Um, I think Volante, even the the most recent version of him that showed up against Collier still probably beat uh, Barnett. So I'll be sad with Volante as well. I took some, you know, plus 116 um, a couple days back. Hopefully um, he comes a little lighter, man. Like two thirty-five, Volante. Come on, brother. Oh yeah, he he did show up like extremely obese for the um, green fight. Showed up at two hundred and fifty-five pounds. He showed up two forty-three last fight. So like he he's taking yeah, it a little bit seriously. Like let's let's hope that he weighs under two forty-three. Yeah, um, just think about that. He was like minus one eighty, one seventy-five against Collier, and here he's only like now even minus one thirty, one twenty-five. Yeah, I mean, Bar- next Barnett fight, is next terrible. Fight. Yeah, yeah, true. Next, true. Fight, next, fight. next fight, welterweight division. Uh, Ian Gary making his UFC debut, minus 370. Jordan Williams, plus 295. So um, I'll start this one off by saying I think this line is a little bit wide. You got Gary, who is a Cage Warriors prospect. Um, only seven wins. Hasn't fought the highest level of competition, but um, that's kind of, that's Cage Warriors for you. You know, they have some decent competition over there. Um but it's not like we see a, a wealth of guys coming over from Cage Warriors and having like immediate success. I mean, Jack Shore, um, the other uh, British, the other British guy. I'm thinking of uh, who the hell knows, uh, Nathaniel Wood. Um, but I mean, Gary does look well rounded. He he has some head kick knockouts. He looks like a decent striker. Can get the fight to the floor. Keep the fight there. And looks like a decent overall grappler. Um, I just see some some weaknesses in his boxing defense. He kind of leans his head straight back. Gets caught with punches. And I just don't think the guy's been tested that much. So there's no way I could be laying over three to one in his UFC debut against an untested. Uh, undefeated guy. He's also 23 years old. I mean, extremely young guy. Um, but he's training at Sanford MMA, training with some really good guys over there, welterweights and, and middleweights. They have a great stable. And um, getting over to the Jordan Williams side, had a rough, rough debut at 170, got dropped and submitted by Mickey Gall. And I think there's something wrong with this guy's chin at 170 because he, you know, he infamously has diabetes type one, was not a, apparently out loud or able to cut weight when he was a middleweight, but then he decided to try to make that cut. It went poorly. He got dropped early on in the fight. So who really knows what's going on with Jordan Williams right now? Um, but the guy I saw in Williams a few fights ago against Kermaga Medoff in the contender series, I mean, that guy is a good fighter. And if he shows up again against Gary, he's going to make the fight extremely competitive. Um, I mean, the guy knocked out D- uh, Gregory Rodriguez too. So Williams has some skill. It just seems like he's going through like a rough patch right now. And I think that, you know, that's kind of a recipe for a good underdog bet at this uh, three to one underdog price for Williams. So another situation where I think a a small half unit or less uh, bet on Williams is warranted. Yeah, when I'm when I'm playing a fight like this, 
you know, I, I, I kind of like to see the guy, the, the underdog, have a grappling path or a path to make it kind of gritty using using some semblance of grappling, whether it be in the clinch or on the ground. But what's really strange to me is in this fight is the the total of it. It's, you know, one and a half, um, which I do think that I guess Williams will come out, I think, strong. But this fight, like you said, it's still at welterweight, right? Where, um, you know, yeah. That's rare me. for a welterweight one and a half. Uh, yeah, where it's that welterweight where, yeah, um, Williams has shown some type of, uh, you know, I guess a soft chin. But, I mean, Gary, I feel like Gary's catching some of these guys that are not, you know, really interested in defending very much, which I don't know why you would want to do that with a guy like, you know, Ian Gary, which he, from what I see, he has some kind of like – uh Maybe like karate style, like he's like a little bit like a little bit of a wider striker. So I think that could contribute to maybe a little bit longer of a fight. Um, because Williams or all he's not very good. I don't think Williams, he doesn't have that much that many skills. He he is pretty bad defensively too. You see, you know, Gaul knocked him knocked him down. Imavov was hitting him with some bombs, you know, crazy bombs. And he was able to and then the the other guy, the Russian guy, he fought on uh contender was bombing him as well so that i guess that's why the total is so low but i think that ian gary is a pretty pretty good prospect overall um and this is a fight where you, i don't know if he should be four to one almost but i do think he should be the favorite because i do think that he has uh very well-rounded skills he could he has some kind of uh wrestling and ground game too uh eventually we'll see if it's tested but i'd be looking at potentially this over here um, but I've been, I think I've been bit on a lot of these with like high level prospects making a debut on a, on, on a big card and just, you know, being able to get the finish. And I don't feel Jordan Williams is a UFC level fighter, uh, that's going to be, you know, getting wins often. So this could be a fight where he's gone right after this. So I'm, I don't think I'll invest in that under, um, and I don't really like Williams as a, as an underdog either. Nice. That's going to keep us moving up to the middleweight division where we have um, a line that has flipped. We saw uh, Imavolve minus 115 right now, Edmund Shabazian minus 105. And I think initially Edmund was the favorite in this fight, and then the line flipped. Uh, Imavolve was around minus 140 for a while. Now we're seeing the line getting tighter. So a lot of line movement on this fight, action on both sides. Uh, you can start this one off, Ozzy. Fun, fun, fun uh, middleweight matchup. Yeah, I'd say my probably my favorite. Nah, I don't know. This is a very intriguing fight for me uh, to look at because Imavov, I really like him as a prospect overall. I, I like how he flows together his his uh, strikes um, and and his skill level on in all facets. So I'm pretty high on him overall. I liked him against Ian uh, Heinish and here against Edmund. I think he gets another guy who's a little bit like him, rangy. A uh, striker that has, you know, can you know, land knees, elbows, or kicks uh, on the feet, and then has a uh, maybe like a, a ground game that has is, is maybe a little bit questionable, like some some parts of the grappling game. But Edmund, I feel, you know, he in in round one, you know, he he hit the arc of his punches and the speed on them is pretty good. He he throws well in combination. He knows like w where the power strikes are uh, coming from and how to set them up. But overall, I think he stays in the pocket a little bit when they are exchanging. I think that sometimes when he is kicking or punching, if you, you know, throw some solid counters at him, like he, he, he starts, uh, not become, I don't want to say becoming timid, 
but you know it's just easy for the other guy if if the other guy is a comparable striker to him to get the fight on their script even while um Shabazian's throwing offense at them you know he fights like in spurts like they you know he'll be you know dominant for a few a few seconds look really solid and then if you can break up the rhythm a little bit you know it's really easy for you to be just in control and Imavov I like how he I, I like his quickness on the feet I like how he you know sets up his right hand how he can utilize some of his kicks and then you know when when he is grappling there is you know a drive to finish the fight you know he loves going for that front uh, guillotine choke. He, you know, I think he he's good at uh, you know, taking the back and 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 moving around. I should say, and you know, always looking for a dominant position. Whereas Edmund, you know, sometimes like it, it looks like he's kind of like counting down the minutes. You know, if he is on the ground and stuff. Like even against um, uh, what's uh, Hermanson? I think he was on top for like a minute and a half, and he only really opened up towards the end uh so i think that Edmund is uh, a lot more uh, cautious because of his gas tank in the grappling areas and i don't really see that from imavov so i like him i like that the line is moving uh in his direction i think that there's some uh you know respected money let's just say you money like Edmund? On... no i like imavov okay I-, I think there are some people that are on uh Edmund. i like that the line is moving towards imavov so i'm gonna wait a little bit longer but i think uh Mavov here, justify favorite. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, but uh, I'll, I'll pose this question to you in a little bit. It's just a matter of whether I'm betting Imavov before the fight or waiting until halfway th- or uh, halfway through round one, towards the end of round one. Uh, Edmund, a pretty notorious fast starter and gasser, you know, quite frankly. If you look at the guy's record, all three of his fights that went past the three-minute mark, um, he slowed down significantly. He was able to squeak out a decision against Darren Stewart but he was finished um, by Brunson in round three and then got demolished in rounds two and three versus Jack Hermanson. So the guy has a clear gas issue. He's a front runner. Most of his wins are by early knockout. And I think that he's probably going to want to close the distance, um, maybe look to get his takedowns going versus Imavov here because Imavov is a really skilled striker. Ozzy and I have been high on this guy for a while because his striking is just so fun to watch. Like uh, Ozzy said, the way he flows, he's got good clinch um, strikes as well. Um, the only distance striking flaw I see with him is the the not checking leg kicks. He got leg kicked a lot versus Ian Heinish and he ate them and it didn't seem like it had much of an effect on him. But still, you got to respect that leg kick. You got to check those kicks because uh, one calf kick could really shut down that whole leg. So at distance, Edmund is definitely going to be struggling here, and I think that's why he's going to want to get the fight to the floor. And we have seen Imavov struggle off his bottom, got stuck there for multiple minutes against Phil Hawes. But going back and rewatching that fight against Phil Hawes, I was actually impressed with his takedown defense there. I thought that he did have a good idea of underhooks and how to stuff shots. He just got taken down by a good wrestler in Hawes. And... I also did think Imavov still won that fight. You know, he he hurt Halls really badly in round two. He got taken down. So what? He still rocked them. And then round three, he teed off on Halls that entire round. And I thought Imavov deserved that decision, honestly. And Imavov's gas tank has just looked really good. He looked good in rounds two and three versus Williams. Um, he got that finish in round two versus Heinish. It seems like he really builds as the fight goes on unlike Shabazian, who's a front runner. So unless Shabazian miraculously improves his cardio by like 75%. I don't see him being able to win two out of three rounds here. I think that Imavolv really heavily favors round two and three. So I'm like I said, it's just a debate between pre-fight and live bet. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, Ozzy. Are you thinking about betting him before the fight? No, or no. 
Yeah, I, I, I bet I'm betting him uh, pre-fight just because you know, I think the people probably. I'm not saying they definitely thought the same thing about Ian Heine, but I just feel Imavov is a guy that he's so good at. He just, uh, I think this guy's very skilled and he could control the fight from the beginning. Uh, and there's like just because Edmund has uh, slowed down in his last few fights, like I don't think it's a guarantee that he will find early success here. So personally, I you know I leave a little bit always. Like I don't want to, I don't try to get too big on my pre-fight because of uh, if there, if a live opportunity comes up. But I don't see a reason if it's close to even now, you know, to not have yeah. some uh, before. True that, and I think I could I could be possibly overrating Edmonds wrestling. I mean, the guy's wrestling isn't that great, right? I mean, he hasn't. I mean, he was. He, I, I know he has been training at AKA. He had like a little stint there, but you know, it looked like it helped Andrew Sanchez for a while. But you know, then that went belly up. So I don't know what True. they're doing over there. True, and you know, Edmund has taken uh, an ass whooping in both of his recent fights too. I mean, he he Man, got Hermanson with his ass. Yeah, yeah, I loved I loved every. That was a fight right there where I guess you know uh, going back into. It, I think I had like five grand on uh, Jack pre-fight, and, and imagine added. if I if imagine if I would have waited like he was like plus like two fifty three hundred yeah yeah Crazy. after the first round which. I was a little, I was a little nervous, but you know, I can't. Yeah, I, I think the market is just overrating Edmund, and this is probably like another good Edmund. chance to get to get uh, in on Imavov. So that's gonna. And some of these guys are real deal. Like these guys are about this life, and I think that Imavov. I think this guy has you know top, gain, top ten. Right? I think this guy has top ten uh, potential. I don't know Me about too. this guy uh, Shabazian. Yeah. And uh, that's going to move us on to another guy we were just talking about, keeping it in the middleweight division. We have Phil Hawes as a considerable favorite, minus 335, taking on Chris Curtis, finally getting his UFC debut here. Um, Rewatching Chris Curtis, though, I mean, I was kind of impressed with how bad this guy is, man. <laughs> I mean, 30-some fights in, the, in MMA and just, man, uh, the guy is super underwhelming. I mean, he's a southpaw striker, not the highest output, tends to just pump single punches out there at a time and i'm seeing terrible pocket defense from him i mean he just gets caught clean on the counter in the pocket he got hurt by uh, or got put to sleep by ray cooper he got hurt badly by kyle stewart in one of his recent fights man so really unimpressed with curtis and his defensive grappling is also pretty bad i mean he got taken down um multiple times and, and out grappled by magomed karimov not too much shame in that but ray cooper took him down um kyle stewart was pushing him against the cage i mean the guy's just not good anywhere in my opinion so um phil hall should win the fight pretty comfortably i think phil has a slight chance of knocking him out on the feet um, but Phil is not the greatest striker. He has a bit of a suspect chin as well. So I think the easiest path for Phil would be to wrestle. And, um, you know, the only hesitancy that I have around Phil is that the guy has had some cardio problems throughout his career. It did look good in his last, uh, fight winning a dominant decision over Kyle Dockhouse, but I still think the guy is on like energy saver mode and he's not, you know, it's quite the proven commodity to be laying minus 350. So I think Hall's cut, um, wins and, and probably covers minus 300, but still not a guy I would parlay or, or, or bet, you know, with much confidence. Yeah. So this fight, you know, I actually, I'm on the other, I'm, I'm on a little opposite of you where I don't think Chris Curtis is as bad, like definitely not as bad as your assessment is. You know, this is a guy who, it, you went down the list, has fought a lot of guys. He is low volume. He 
he does, you know, get stunned, uh, uh, you know, a lot, I guess. But he's kind of just a little bit lazy, you know. I think this guy before, he's been dying to fight in the UFC, could never make it in, you know, trains all the time. You hear about him sparring with Sean Strickland and stuff in the gym all the time. But this guy's had 34 fights. Um, He's only been knocked out one time in his career. Um, and that was that Ray Cooper fight, as you mentioned. We all know Ray Cooper hits like a truck, um, like a per- proverbial truck, Mack truck. Um, and he's been the distance 17 times overall. Phil Halls, on the other hand, has only been to the scorecards twice. He has won both those fights. But like you said, Imavov, close decision. You thought Imavov won. And the darkest fight, also a close decision. So... You know, I think that Curtis here from that lefty stance, I like some of the stuff that he does. He he goes to the body pretty well. Uh, I think he hurt uh, Kyle Stewart, I think it was, um, to the body before finishing him up to the head. He's been very active this year. This is going to be his fourth or his fifth fight, actually, in uh, in in this year. And uh, they were supposed to fight, I think, like two, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. And um, Hall's, like, needed some more time to drill, like, some freaking combos or henry hooft or something you know i think he was uncomfortable with fighting a southpaw on like one day's notice so i think uh curtis here should be able i think he's gonna be able to keep it on the feet honestly uh unless Mm -hmm. hawes like really sells out i think maybe if hawes is able to ride up into a body lock like a strong body lock position where he could like squeeze and you know take uh take him down from the clinch i think that is possible but i think over in the in distance at distance He's going to be able to defend the takedowns. Uh, and I favor the fight, this fight to go to um, the scorecards, personally. Even though Hawes, you know, I think Curtis has a good left hand and Hawes' chin is kind of uh, suspect, I think I like this fight to go over. Um, and I do think that Curtis has some outside of a shot, but I think that Hawes is going to get out to a lead. Uh, and it's just going to depend on his gas tank, letting Curtis come into back into the fight. Um, but I think there, this is going to be a fun fight. I feel I, that that will go the distance is my prediction. Interesting. Yeah. If anyone's finishing, I think it's Hawes. I mean, I'm sure his no scorecards is pretty juiced, like probably in the minus 250 range, but um, that wouldn't be a bad way to play Hawes. Um, then that's going to take us to the next fight, which is in uh, the lightweight division where we have Bobby King Green minus 180. Ally Quinta making his comeback plus 155. You can start this one off. The return of Ally Quinta two years later, New York royalty. Uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, interesting fight for Al to come back on. You know, a guy that's been out, like you said, for I guess like close to two years uh, and finding a guy in Bobby Green who is so active. So interesting matchmaking there. Um, I was watching again, you know, I think that you have mentioned that um, the Bobby Green fight or the Ally Akinna fight versus uh, Dan Hooker was very comparable. I think the fight actually a little bit more with uh, Kevin Lee from what I saw, just because in that first round, Kevin Lee was staying in, you know, not looking to wrestle pretty much at all. And he was just throwing some of those straight shots, you know, and jabs uh, from the actually the southpaw stance that like Bobby Green likes to do. Uh, and he wasn't moving, you know, throwing too many hooks and stuff, which I think Green does not take advantage of enough. So I think in this fight, you know, Bobby Green should be able to keep uh, Al back a little bit with all those straight shots. He has really good volume. And Al, he just gets hit pretty pretty squarely uh, very often. And I think that's been what's plagued him in his whole career. You know, I think like even the, I don't, I don't remember. I didn't watch a fight again. But I think even like Diego Sanchez is like able to land like jabs and shit 
on uh, on Al's face, which he makes it easy for. I think he he wants to like pull back or lean to the side or you know duck his head and and come back with a big right right hand or a left hook behind it. Um, but you know I think some of his reflexes have been slowing down a little bit. Um, I think I know he has been having some knee issues uh, in, of late or in the past, or I think that's why the hiatus has come. But overall, I think he's a pretty solid uh, and good striker on the feet. Um, you know, the fight is heavily juiced to go over, right, to go the distance. But Al decision is only is plus 300. So I think they're thinking that his best shot or his only shot is to knock. I don't know, because they have KO at 450. I'm seeing 550 and I'm seeing decision at plus 300. So I went to knockout plus 450. Yeah, I'm seeing that's that. Ter- so, that's terrible. So, so, you know, Bobby Green, he's really good at shoulder rolling and, you know, at all that. But I think Al here, you know, I, I really want to, to probably bet him, even though, given that it's going at this price here. But just Bobby Green is pretty reliable to land punches, go forward, keep the volume up, win uh, close rounds. Whereas, you know, Al, I think, needs to rely on hitting, you know, a few big punches around doesn't use his leg kicks enough and also does not shoot takedowns even though i think his wrestling is pretty good i would not be surprised that i'll uh take down here but uh bobby green's a really tough guy to hold down so this is a fight where i'm gonna just back off on not have any action on whatsoever um but i i do think i probably pick bobby green to just out volume out and avoid the big punches for a decision win yeah, I'm going to be picking green here, you know, with, with pretty confident, um, pretty confidently. And I'm thinking about honestly betting them on um, because rewatching that fight of Iquinta and Hooker. I know Hooker is, you know, a great fighter, but Iquinta looked pretty terrible in that fight. Wasn't checking leg kicks at all. Was getting hit with a lot of straight punches down the middle. And just seeing the way that Hooker landed his jab and was able to just land his punches with such high accuracy made me think that green's probably gonna, probably going to do the same thing. You know, Green has been kind of known for being in close split decision type of fights throughout his career. But I think on this recent run, he's really upped his output, his activity. If you look at his striking statistic numbers, he has been landing more and more strikes in his decisions. And the guy has, you know, a great chin, just went toe to toe with Rafael Fiziev and was winning round three, was boxing Fiziev up in round three. So his cardio is still there. His output is improving. His chin and durability is pretty reliable. And there's just a lot of question marks with Ally Quinta. I mean, this guy could be in in terrible, terrible shape. Like his his ceiling could be, or I mean, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. His ceiling could be a lot higher than we're thinking. Uh, The guy uh, at one point, Ally Quinta. Why would why would his ceiling be higher? Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking of, I'm just maybe I fumbled the words there. Maybe his floor his floor is lower than we think. Like he could be washed. You know what I mean? Like he could be not even remotely competitive. No um, way! Are you fucking crazy? It's Ally Kenna. You, yeah, he, he's went, re- he went three rounds with Hooker in Australia, dude. Yeah, that was two, year, that was two years. Rounds dude. That was two years ago in a lot Get out of, of here. He went five rounds of, with Khabib. Are you nuts? That was a think lot about of houses what you just ago. said, brother. That was think a about lot of houses.
what, what you just said, sleeping in silk, uh, you know, not. Well, not, it's uh, gonna be it's training. gonna be nice to see this him back. It's coming back nice. for a reason, bro. This guy's coming back for a reason. He's not fucking around. He, he's thirty four. He's still got fights left. I mean, I don't believe. And Alakin has never been destroyed. Even if like you want to say that Cerrone fight or that Hooker fight, still competitive. He's landing on mm. those guys. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's been destroyed in three of his past four fights, to be honest. Um, but I mean, yeah, I don't a think big he's. You're I don't a big think hater. he's showing up. I don't think he's showing up for you're a paycheck. I think I like Alakinta. It's gonna be nice to see uh, Longo and you're Sarah back. Nice to see Longo and Sarah back in the the cage, hearing them screaming from the sidelines. Um, I just think he's drawing a really terrible matchup here in uh, Bobby Green. So Bobby Green's gonna probably just to support my New York guy. The last few times Bobby Green's been a favorite. Look at that, Tiago Moises fight, dud. Clay Guida fight, dud. I mean, he he barely scraped by. Hey, he won both those fights. It takes Bobby Green time to get into fights. Al is gonna be in the fight early. It's semi-competitive. Don't be saying this nonsense, Al. I don't know. Al Al looked pretty terrible versus Dan Hooker. Um, so I'll be picking Green pretty confidently, and you know, thinking about betting him as well. Um, so that's gonna move us on to the last fight on the prelims. Takes place the middleweight division, where we have Alex Pereira making his UFC debut. Former world champion kickboxer as the minus two thirty five favorite. Andre Micheladis as the plus two hundred underdog, and you know I'll. Michaelitis, Michaelitis, Michaelitis. Yeah, um, I'll uh, I'll start this one off, and uh, I'm gonna be on the Greek here. You know, uh, much more MMA experience, much better grappler. Um, I just think that he can get the fight uh, to where it advantages him. I mean, I don't think the guy's a complete moron. You're fighting a world champion kickboxer. The game plan has got to be, you know, to try to get in close to hit some takedowns. And Misha Delise has a, a decent record of hitting takedowns. He in his pre UFC fights 2017, 2018 was going to his wrestling pretty reliably. He hasn't, you know, shot a high amount of takedowns in his UFC career so far, but it's only two fights. It's only a small sample size. And um he was doing well in the striking in both of those fights. So why does he really need to mix it up and hit those takedowns? So uh, if the fight stays standing, obviously Andreas is going to be at risk for getting knocked out at all times. He's facing a lethal striker with, you know, incredible power, just uh, knocked out his last opponent, LFA stiff. Um, That guy was literally stiff on the mat for 10 minutes after that punch landed. So um, I'm aware of the risk when the fight is on the feet. I just think that Andreas is, crafty enough to get the fight in the clinch to hit takedowns and i think that if uh andreas is hitting takedowns there's a good chance that he's winning rounds he's winning the fight and i'm picking him straight up i don't care that he's plus 200 i don't care that he could get knocked out on the feet if this fight goes 15 minutes if this fight has any grappling involved i think andreas is going to look super live at plus 210 so i'm down for a bet on him and uh pass it over to you for the last prelim fight listen i don't give a shit about this fight i don't know why they made this a prelim headliner uh, you know, Pereira fought like two months ago in kickboxing. I don't know what this guy's jujitsu looks like. Even in kickboxing, to me, I'm like, whatever. Like, I don't, I can't really uh translate or cap that stuff. If he is he a really good, you know, kickboxer? Just he does he just really hit really fucking hard and is tough. Mikolaitis, you know, he a lot of the cage almost in his first fight lost me a ton of money on the over and then had that shitty fight in his next fight against uh kb so i don't care about this fight i'm not giving a pick uh <laughs> you know whatever you said uh, we'll go with that let's you know i'll go to the main let's go to the main let's card go. we but... got the aussie stamp of yeah. approval on the yeah. greek money line let's Fuck go that fight though um Who cares so 
this fight is actually now the main card opener. It was not supposed to be up until, you know, today, but apparently they're spacing the card out differently. They didn't want to have Whitman do Gaethje, Rose, and Usman back to back to back. So now the pre or the main card opener is Justin Gaethje as the minus what? 215 favorite. Michael Chandler no. plus 185. Yeah, you didn't know this? No, really? I don't I don't Holy think it's the worst shit. decision. I don't think it's okay. the worst. You know, it's gonna get it's gonna get the card off to, you know, a great start. Burgos and Burgos and Quarantillo are gonna keep that pace up. The only fight So hold on, what's the what's the goddamn order? I think it's I think it's um uh Gaethje, Quarantillo, and then Edgar. Okay. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. You start this one off. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to fuck up the order. Like I said, I mean, Oof. those are pretty guaranteed uh, banger fights. Um, uh, Michael Chandler. Gaethje, yes. Go ahead. Yeah. So we're starting. Uh, let me scroll down to my notes here. So I'm favoring Gaethje. I'm definitely not favoring him at, to the point minus two ten. I think this line is getting a little bit out of hand. Um, I think Chandler's you know wrestling chops could make this fight close in a three round fight. Uh, if it was five rounds, I definitely have to lean towards Justin Gaethje uh, at this price of two fifteen. But three rounds, um, you know, these are going to be high ac- high action rounds, and I think that Chandler could you know make these this fight close with the takedowns. We did see Justin show some bad takedown defense, some uh, bad decisions on the ground, but obviously against the, the best grappler in the history of the sport, Khabib. Um, but I still was a little bit underwhelmed with Gaethje's decision making there. I mean, sure, he was training for Khabib uh, on the feet most of the time. He was preparing how to outstrike him, how to avoid the takedown attempt. But you got to figure you're going to end the fight on bottom at some point. And you got to, you know, take a risk adverse approach to that. Gaethje was just so reckless with uh, those takedown attempts. It really disappointed me how badly he reacted once he got taken down there. But uh Michael Chandler has definitely fallen in love with his hands in his recent fights. Um, at one point was a very dedicated wrestler, but if you look at his past five fights, the guy really hasn't wrestled uh, at all. The last fight he did, it was, um, I think the, maybe the, not even the Sydney outlaw fight, the, um, the Primus rematch, I think was the last time that he grappled really heavily. Um, so that would be the best game plan for Chandler to wrestle here, but I, I cannot rely on him to do that. I think he's really fallen in love with his boxing in his recent fights. Um, you know, we had a, a brutal loss on him, uh, in his last fight against Oliveira. Um, and you know, him getting dropped like that by Oliveira, Oliveira is an improving striker. His striking is looking, you know, better and better each fight, but he's not the type of guy to be dropping people with punches straight out. So that was concerning for Chandler's chin, his durability. Um, and I just think that Gaethje's the more varied, uh, the more diverse striker, a much sharper boxer. The leg kick's going to be there. Chandler's had a lot of problems with leg kicks throughout his career, the Brent Primus loss particularly. So unless Chandler is getting a lot of takedowns and top time here, I think he's going to be getting beat up pretty badly on the feet. And I'm seeing some people, you know, back in the inside the distance here, they think it's a no-brainer that this fight's going to be, you know, crazy banger. <laughs> But I think I think the goes the distance at over two at two to one is the side to be on now. I think um, with the way the, with the way these you guys sure yeah yeah you're two, gonna bet that um no I mean I don't think yeah. I'm gonna bet it but I'm, but minus three hundred for inside the distance in a three round no, fight I can't pay that no, that's kind of crazy sure. all right I'll pass it over <laughs> to you what's, what's what's good um I mean this fight's a this uh, this fight's heat I it might. I don't know if it's definitely going to start off the card though, but whatever. Anyway, you no, know, no, like these are, these are two fights. Maybe these are two two get like Justin Gaethje is definitely my favorite fighter in MMA as active right now. Um, I remember when I first watched him fight Dan Lozon, 
uh you know he destroyed him with leg kicks i was i was like what in the world like how is this guy doing this he's like hitting him with that left leg you know outside kick on a southpaw crazy fights this guy's an insane dude um if i could get the under like does not start round three at less than like what it is now i would because i think that any takedowns that chandler tries i don't think he's gonna any takedowns that uh, Chandler gets uh, or shoots for, I don't think he's going to really be able to consolidate them that well. Like, Khabib is just a different level of being able to take you down and immediately be in um, offensive, you know, positions. Chandler, his jiu-jitsu is really – I thought it was a little bit better, but, you know, just watching him get taken down by Oliveira, and then he's like, oh, shit, oh, shit, what am I going to do? And he's like, Jump. ah, I know what. Like, no, I'm going to turn around and give my back. Like, not even try to, like, hip up or, like, hip heist up, you know, and then uh, maybe, like, fight hands, get an overhook. He's like, no, I'm just going to completely, you know, go to turtle and give up my back. I was like, what is this, man? Also, just as much as I won on that Jack Hermanson bet I was talking about, I probably lost on Michael Chandler. Terrible. Um so not, I think not a bet. I was thinking about this this week. It's not a bad bet, right? You bet him plus one twenty. He he won round one. He had the moment. Whatever. I guess. I guess. So shit but, happens. I guess. But I thought that was a very good investment opportunity. But you know, here against Gaethje, I mean Gaethje's super tough man. Like he just he goes forward. I think it's a little harder to hit him than uh, people, you know, really actually are. are are, are aware of um i don't know how easy it's gonna be like chandler sometimes comes up a little short on some of these punches but i just think these guys are gonna bang i think that uh gaichi more likely to find the chin of chandler's uh and staying you know out of harm's way and he i just feel that chandler some of his punches like you know he throws them hard but he doesn't have a lot of feel on them whereas gaichi i think he finds that chin a lot better he finds angles a lot better um, and I think that he will win this fight and I've been on him, you know, been supporting him for a long time, but a fight, I'm not going to touch it, especially on the money line side. Uh, and I would just hope for fireworks as everyone is anticipating. Yeah. And, uh, Chandler's so heavy on that lead leg, you know, Gaethje's going to have some size on him. Um, I think that calf kick is going to be there all day. And, you know, I think I will go with Gaethje knockout as the prediction, even though I was kind of leaning towards goes to distance. I mean, I just think. There's going to be so many heated exchanges here that uh, that if it goes, um, if it ends inside the distance, it's definitely going to be Gaethje. But maybe a decent line would be uh, Chandler decision only. Like if it goes to the decision, I feel like Chandler probably has a good chance to win the decision there. So check that out on DraftKings. And we're going to move along. We got nonstop good fights in this card. Um, I think the order next is going to be the Burgos Quarantillo fight. We have. Burgos has the minus 190 favorite. Billy Quarantillo plus 165. Another certified banger. Zero chance this fight is not amazing. Um, you can start this one off, Ozzy. What are your thoughts here? So two featherweight uh, contenders. Um, you know, Quarantillo has, I think, consistently just been a very, um, very much like an action fighter. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of times his pace, pace is what wins him a lot of these fights. Um, you know, but overall, he's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. I think he moves pretty well on the ground. He's very aggressive. He's looking to dole, dole out damage uh, as opposed to uh, going for a submission all the time. Uh, you know, on the feet, he's more of a pressure guy. Is a little bit lacking in terms of angles. You saw in that uh, Gavin Tucker fight where Gavin Tucker, Southpaw, was able to just avoid a lot of his uh, front front end attacks 
pivot, you know, and then, you know, start landing strikes on him, get to the clinch, get to, you know, uh, takedowns, um, and just really, you know, have uh, Billy confused. Here against Burgos, I think Burgos, you know, he's forehead forward, you know, from the Bronx, like, you know, brawler, you know, is is down to exchange punches in the pocket. And you saw that catch up to him in his last two fights. I think Billy, not as hard of a hitter as either of the two fight fights he just had. Probably more in that Cub Swanson range if you're just comparing guys that uh, Shane has fought before. Um, I think that Billy here, prop, we do see some grappling here uh, from both guys' sides. I know that Shane has some grappling. I don't know why he never, you know, tries to use it. I think here, uh, Billy maybe looks to initiate first, uh, just like clinch it, clinches and stuff like that. And I do think that one of these guys is going to have the, you know, thought of grappling. And um, because Shane has a five and a half inch reach, is does have a pretty good straight right hand and a good jab when he does choose to throw it. So I think that Billy probably looks to grapple earlier. I think Billy's probably going to be using leg kicks here as well because we saw Shane eat countless of them versus uh, Shane uh, Edson Barboza. Um, but here, Shane has consistently been this size of a favorite in a lot of his fights. And here, I'm not laying the juice with him just because of the where he, the way he's wearing that damage uh, in, in, in some of these fights is concerning to me. I think Billy, his cardio is just, you know, way too good to go away in this fight. And then if, if he is able to fight the fight on his uh, script, I think that he's able to push Burgos in some ways that we haven't seen uh, lately and is able to stay in the fight. The fight is also scheduled to go three rounds. So I think Burgos turning it up in the third round is not as live here because of just Billy's own gas tank. So I, I kind of lean to towards a, a stab on Billy at the at the money line price, but I do think that he's potentially could drop this first round. But the thing is, you know, and, and you could get in on him live. But the thing is, looking back at Shane's a lot of Shane's fights, he doesn't start off round one that well. You know, it takes some time to I guess make reads or have his cardio catch up to the guy. So he's a very aesthetically pleasing fight. And I think that's why a lot of people like to bet on him. But I think the the value here is on Billy at plus one sixty five. So I'm 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 gonna pick him just to to make a, an official pick. But I you know it's gonna be a great fight. Two guys originally from New York as well. So I take a little bit of pride uh, going going into it as well. Yeah, pretty much exactly the same read on the fight as I have. Um, you know, love both these guys. They're both such high action, consistently entertaining guys. Uh, but they're both incredibly durable. They both have high outputs. They're both in competitive fights nonstop. So uh, amazing decision to put this fight on the main card. And I agree that Burgos damage that he's taken in these recent fights has to be concerning. I mean, he went to war with Josh Emmett, ate some massive blows there, got dropped a few times, had that weird knockout against Barbosa where his body literally shut down on him. Um, I don't even know what the hell happened there. No one really does, but that was an extremely concerning knockout. And you got to think that all these wars, they could add up and we could see Burgos's durability eventually drop off. And Billy Quarantillo coming off an impressive victory in his last fight. He dropped Benitez early there. His striking has been looking really good. And this guy just has nonstop pace and pressure. I mean, in round three, he's super reliable to have uh, all of his gas and throw a high amount of strikes. And that's just a really great characteristic to have when you know that your fighter is still going to be there in round three um, with a high output. I mean, that's just really what you want to see when you're backing a guy, especially a plus money. So I got a small bet on uh, Quarantillo as well. Um, 
just about a half unit. Maybe I'll go a little bit more if the odds uh, maybe go up a little bit. But I just think this should be closer to maybe minus 170 for Burgos. Um, so I think there's some value left on Quarantillo here, expecting a high, high level, high action fight. And I think we're probably going to go the distance here. And uh, I think Quarantillo's got a good chance to win these later rounds with his uh, activity. Like you said, uh, not the fastest starter either, Shane Burgos. So. Uh, I'll be uh, leaning towards uh, Quarantillo at the value side here. And that's going to take us to another fight on the main card, another incredible, incredible matchup. We have Marlon Vera as the minus 173 favorite, Frankie Edgar plus 148. Um, incredible matchup. Love both these guys as well. I'm, I'm cheering for Marlon Vera to win the fight, but I think I will be betting Frankie Edgar here. Ozzy and I have been, been talking about this matchup for a few weeks. And, um, You've been he's, talking shit about Frankie all the whole time. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, and I still, like I said, I hope he loses. Um, but uh, I think I just got to take the value side here, plus 150. Um, I just think that Vera gets taken down and put on bottom by so many different guys that if Frankie shows up here with three rounds of cardio and has the right game plan to wrestle, he could easily win the fight. I think that he's going to be in some trouble on the feet. I do think that Vera is the much better striker at this point in their careers. Um, I love watching Vera strike. He's so versatile with his offense. Um, and he's going to be probably busting Frankie Edgar up on the feet while it stays there. But I think Edgar will come in with the right game plan to wrestle. He hasn't really wrestled to a victory since Gaia Rodriguez, but um, that wrestling is always going to be in the back of his pocket. I know he's 40 years old. I know he's coming off a, a brutal knockout, but at plus 150, I think the price is right. I think this, uh, especially round one, I mean, Vera's known, known for losing round one and coming back and winning rounds two and three. He's done that in probably 10 of his UFC fights against way lesser fighters than Frankie Edgar too. So, um, I, I think Frank Yeager is definitely worth the bet here, plus 150 before the fight. If it's not looking good after round one, I can almost guarantee that Devera is going to be the underdog in the live lines after round one. So um, I've definitely warmed up to Edgar as the fight got closer. Like Ozzy said, I, I was, uh, you know, picking Vera uh, early on in this fight. And, um, you know, gun to my head pick, I guess I'll still go with Vera. But like I said, betting my value all over Edgar at plus 150. Listen, guys, freaking... I didn't think there would ever be a day where I'd be, you know, still betting MMA. And I'd see Frankie Edgar as an underdog to Marlon Vera. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know, you know, I mean, Frankie Edgar, I get it. He almost got decapitated in his last fight against Corey Sanhagen. But, I mean, it's a fucking flying knee. Like, what are you, what are you going to do? Like, it, you're going to get hit with a flying knee like that, you know, it's like, it's a small percentage chance of something like that happening. And if it's going to happen to you against anyone, it's against a guy like Corey Sanhagen, but Marlon Vera, man, like he's training that roof with Jason Perillo. I'm seeing his sparring footage. He's like sparring with like amateur boxers and some of the stuff. California doesn't have any goddamn wrestlers. I don't see one. I don't think he's, I don't think Ricky Simone's in there, you know, with him training. And, you know, you have not really seen Marlon Vera against a guy who has like heavy top position. You know, I know he did grapple with, um, Davy Grant a little bit and uh you know obviously that fight went all three rounds and he busted Davy up but you know think about it Davy Grant was like plus like almost 300 to Jonathan Martinez um so just you know Frankie Edgar this guy is still a dog all he does is train 
the reason that Martian didn't like him is because he's an anti-vaxxer. Um, but you know, <laughs> the, the Frank that Frankie Edgar immune system, like this guy's got old man strength. He just turned what, what was it? His birthday was the other day. What was 40. It? 30, he's 40. Yeah. 40. This guy's 40 fucking years old. And if he locks his hands around Marlon Vera, he's going to the ground. Marlon Vera does not have strong hips. He like some of his submissions, like look, Brian Kelleher took um on the Vera down and then got caught in some, you know, ridiculous arm bar that, you know, I, I would say, you know, Martian, you probably get out of like that short leg arm bar. From oh, yeah. The no, bottom. no way. No way. Dude, yeah, this, that. That, that doesn't happen. You don't catch guys of your level, uh, you know, with arm bars like that. So I think Edgar, you know, just gets on Marlon Vera early, starts taking him down, grabs him back clinch. You see Marlon Vera like looking at the ref. You know, Marlon got backpacked by Jose Aldo in the most consequential round of Marlon Vera's career. You know, he went out there, got backpacked for the whole round, and he's just looking at the ref, like putting his hands up. And it's like, bro. You could beat Jose Aldo. If you get out of this back clinch and you win this round, you will have a win over Jose Aldo. And he didn't do it at all. So I don't think that, oh, yeah, you know, Cheeto, you know, he's coming for his respect. He's coming to advance his, you know, position in the, you know, uh, Bantamweight division. The only reason he's even in this position is because uh, Sean O'Malley hurt his leg. You know, I don't think, you know, Cheeto Vera is a top 20 Bantamweight, in my opinion. I think his wrestling deficiencies will show up here. Um, and I think Frankie Edgar gets on top of this dude and starts smashing him. But, you know, people are betting. I don't I, like plus 150. You know, I favor Frankie straight up. Uh, and, you know, if, if, if Frankie's going to retire in MSG, I'm going to be on the ship at plus 150 riding it. So um, call it a homer pick. It's hurt me in the past. I'm just thinking about how, how hard I'm going to go on it. Um, but, but, you know, let's see. I, I don't have anything yet. And the price has, I guess, stagnated here um but i think that you know frankie is able to keep this guy in the back foot probably maybe even catch a kick you know cheeto throws some of those like some of these kicks are just not that strong even though he did knock out uh what's his name brad pickett in his retirement fight so i hope that doesn't happen again but I, i'm on that fade brigade let's do it uh i do have you know one question what do you think frankie's top game is going to look like once he gets on top here what do you, do you think he's i think he's normally known for kind of sitting in guard uh, landing, landing some good ground and pound, but we have, like I said, we haven't really seen that for so long. Oh, what, yeah. do you, what do you think I, I it's going to look like? I don't think it's going to be him sitting in guard that much because Cheeto's going to be a pest on the ground. That's, I think that's the path that a lot of people see is like, all right, if Cheeto does take him down, or if Cheeto gets taken down, he's going to be like pushing on the head, hipping up, you know, dropping elbows, elbows to the on bottom. Him. Yeah, yeah. So I think that Frankie's going to be able, is going to try to pass this guy's guard. Um, and I don't think Cheeto has a very good bottom guard. So I think it, it's going to work out for him. If anything, you know, he'll give give up a little bit of space and then try to start like doing the circling around that wrestlers do and, you know, keeping them down. So, you know, I mean, Frank Yeager is a better grappler than Cheeto Vera. I'm going to tell you right now. So uh, let's uh, let's see what happens. But, you know, I think people are thinking that Cheeto is going to be able to finish Frankie. And I don't think it's, that's going to happen. So, yeah, the only. I mean, it, it's a fight would have to stay on the feet for like multi, two or three minutes at a time. And Edgar would or Vera would have to be teeing off the whole time to finish Frankie because they're not known for that one punch power. It'll have to be like a long sustained beating. And uh, just, inside the distance, they have this price at plus 200. More likely yeah. than Frankie decision. They have that price. That's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. Um. Yeah, I think the market's a little off on this one. Um, so we're going to move on. Next fight, co-main event, rematch, back-to-back -back rematch, title fights. 
Um, neither one really deserved, in my opinion. But, you know, I'm still looking forward to the fights. Um, first one, women's strawweight title. We have former champion Zhang Wei Li as the minus 120 favorite. Rose Namajunas plus 100. So despite the 75-second knockout, head kick round one, Namajunas still the slight underdog here. Um, and I started last fight. I think uh, you go ahead and start this um, one. I don't have a great read on this fight. I think initially when it happened, I was definitely on the Rose side of things, especially at that plus like 170 number, I think she was. Now it's at evens here. I think that Wei Li, you know, I'm, from me seeing like some of the talk that, you know, maybe she's going to try to grapple here is actually a little bit surprising to me because I think if anything, you know, Rose is super good at uh, some of the transitional uh, grappling uh, areas, um, even though that did get her slammed on her head versus uh andraj i think that Wei Li does not really have the transition grappling or overall grappling as a whole to really have that much oh man the gas uh have that much uh success here um so it's i think for her she should be looking to kickbox with rose and then on the feet i mean if i think Wei Li needs to be just like really aggressive early on i do think she has you know the same same as the first fight um a uh, conditioning cardio edge um rose starts off you know she started off quick in the last fight but usually you know it, the fight goes in that kind of pace like it was there where she's like kind of being you know she's pretty sharp usually in the beginning but doesn't look to throw a ton she's looking to like you know find you know bigger opportunities um so here i i kind of lean towards rose winning this fight again um, I, I don't know if it's going to be a finish, but the thing is, like, this girl, you know, I, I kind of in the past ha didn't give her enough credit for how hard she can hit. And, like, she just uses leverage, I guess. Like, maybe it's something that Whitman's really doing over there because you've seen Usman definitely up his power there uh, with him. And Gaethje's always been just like a, like a guy that he's hitting guys and it doesn't even make sense to me, you know, how hard he's hitting them. So maybe something that Whitman does, but... Um, you know, I think that Rose has a ground advantage. And then on the feet, I think she's a little bit sharper than uh, Zhang. And I think she knows what she wants to do. Zhang looks like there's a lot of voices like talking mm -hmm. to her all the yep. time. And, you know, when she when she does see an opportunity, she'll go like buck wild on it. But I don't think she's that well thought out. And I think there's a lot of stuff, you know, flowing, floating around her where she's like putting a ton of pressure on herself. I don't think she's really look, going in there uh, with a clear head. All, all that much and you know i'm gonna try if i go to the arena i'm gonna try and boo her i'm gonna just try and get like boo birds going like a big boo going when she comes in uh hopefully <laughs> new york isn't super soft and is like oh it's racist you're just booing a chinese person but i think i'm gonna you know maybe i'll do it at all guys that i'm betting so i get a little mental edge but i just think that zhang is just you know just cloudy in there i think rose has a better game plan knows what she wants to do and is more dangerous in there overall Jean, uh wei li if you look at some of her fights man she's really overwhelming some of these girls physically and i feel like rose has some of those angles on the feet especially early on that she's gonna be able to avoid that and counter her uh pretty well so and i like what pat berry said i think it was he was like you know Whaley has t had 10 ways to get killed in that first fight and she didn't even survive the first one and i think that's really that's actually true because like none of the, you don't see really a lot of the ground game you don't see a lot of the i know setup for right hands uh that she has so i'll pick rose here um and i, I like this even price i like it i like it i like it a lot so we'll see we'll see how big yeah. i'll go but i'll, I'll pick rose I feel like you, your read shouldn't change that much from the first fight. Like 
you really shouldn't change what you thought too drastically based on that 75 seconds. So I was picking Rose the first time I was picking her by decision. Uh, a lot of the same points that, that Ozzy had. I honestly think she's the better striker and grappler. And really all Zhang has is, is physical attributes, possibly durability and cardio. But we saw in that last fight, you know, her durability might not be all be what we make it out to be. And I didn't even think that Rose got to get going at boxing range. You know, she um, does have the slicker boxing, in my opinion. If I were if I were Zhang in that fight, I would have been pressuring from the jump, getting Rose moving backwards, trying to land some punches on her chin. I don't think Rose really likes getting hit. And I just didn't see that approach from Zhang at all. She was sitting at distance. She was kind of letting uh, Rose do that in and out movement that Rose loved to do. And I just think that was, you know, a terrible strategy. She's going to be... Um, you know, trying to revamp that whole strategy. And exactly what Ozzy said, she has a lot of different voices coming at her. You know, she has her, her Chinese coaches who have been with her since day one, but now she's training at Cejudo's camp and who knows who her head coach is and who knows, you know, what the ego battle amongst her coaches is and what they're t telling her to do. You know, that's very real. You know, one of these coaches in America wants them to do her game plan. Her Chinese coaches want her to do something else. So, um, I definitely think she's got a lot of pressure on her shoulders. Rose, um, I, I think this is kind of a, a stress-free situation, honestly. She just has to go in there and, and do the same stuff that she did in the first fight. And uh, she has a lot more tools that she didn't even get to show, in my opinion. So I'm be, I'll be picking Rose again. Um, definitely think the fight's going to last a lot longer than it did the first time. And I think that uh, you know Rose is probably going to win three out of five rounds for a decision here. Um and I think that at even money before the fight, I favor Rose to get out to an early lead. And I think that if you want to bet Zhang, you might as well wait till a round or two and try to lie better because I think she's going to be at a lot better price then. So I'll be picking Rose here and um, have not decided if I'm going to bet her or anything yet. Um, but that's going to take us to the main event, another rematch fight that happened about two years ago. We have the champion, Kamara Usman, minus 307. The challenger, Colby Covington, plus 257. Um, so they fought back in December 2019. Of course, Usman knocked him out in round five. Very competitive fight. The judges had it 3-1 Usman, 3-1 Colby, and 2-2. Um, so, you know, just the epitome of a razor-close fight there. Uh, everyone going into the first fight, I feel like, was spending a lot of their time researching and talking about the grappling and how they thought the grappling between these two guys would go. And sure enough, you know, no grappling really happened in that fight at all. Um, you know, two, two wrestlers decided to kickbox with one another and it was sloppy at times. Both guys hurt each other, had success, but ultimately the guy doing the damage down the stretch, doing that, you know, attritional damage uh, was Kamara Usman. And he was the one landing those straight left to the body that I think slowed Colby down. Um, Colby landed a lot of body kicks in that fight, but it, it didn't really seem to affect Usman's cardio. I mean, Usman was picking Except the one that he pretended he got hit in the nuts. On. That, that, that one didn't even Cheater. come close to hitting him in the body. Cheater. Um, I, I rewatched that this fight this uh, this week, and I didn't think it hit him in the nuts. I didn't think it hit him in the body. Who knows what it really was? Hit him in the liver. Um, I mean, it clearly landed below the belt line. But regardless, um, round five, Usman was the one picking it up. So I think Usman had the better body work in that fight, and the bigger headshots were were clearly landed by Usman. You know, they had Colby thinking his jaw was broken. Um, they had they were the headshots that were dropping him in round five, and I think a lot of people make that fight. Uh, you know, it was competitive throughout, but like I said, who cares what, what happens in the early rounds when in round five, the one with all the attritional damage, uh, was, was Usman. So 
since that fight, we've had one fight for Colby. He beat the ghost of Tyron Woodley, you know, not an extremely impressive win. Um, you know, I didn't think that he looked any worse, any better, maybe a little bit better than he did previously, but you really can't prove much against Tyron Woodley. And then with uh, Usman, we had him get three wins, defeated Masvidal by decision, then went on to knock him out, knocked out uh, Burns. So I think it's pretty evident that Usman is hitting harder. His boxing is getting better with uh, Trevor Whitman. Uh, you know, that leverage that Usman was, or that uh, Ozzy was talking about. And uh, I'll be picking Kamara Usman to get it done again. And I think he's going to knock uh, Kobe out a little bit quicker than he did the first time. Uh, and I think this fight definitely will have some grappling involved in it. And I think that, you know, Kobe, knowing that the striking didn't go his way the first time, he's going to look to mix up the approach. He's going to look to get them grappling going. And I hope we get to see some wrestling exchanges. Um, you know, that was the, like I said, the burning question going into the first fight. We didn't really get those questions answered. So I'd like to see some wrestling exchanges between these guys. But I don't think either guy is holding each other down. I don't think either guy is going to get a significant amount of top time. So I think the fight will take place mostly at range. And like I said over and over, I just favor Usman with the attritional damage. And I think he's going to knock Kobe out in uh, round three or four this time. Yeah, so, you know, Usman has a rock for a head. He does not wear damage. That's why, you know, you don't see any cuts, bruises, swelling, nothing on this guy's face. Um, but Kobe was hitting this guy with clean shots. I don't care what anybody says. Anybody wants to say otherwise, you know, I can I, I could see you at MSG if you want uh, to, 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 to argue it. But, I mean, here, this price, I was on Kobe the first time. Right now, this is going to be close to plus 300 very soon. I think that, um, you know, nobody's really seeing this in Kobe's, uh, you know, direction at all. You know, I guess, like, I mean, Kamaru, uh, you know, I, I just think Kobe fought that fight just so bad. Like, I think, I don't know if he was surprised that Kamaru was landing and throwing so many of these uh, jabs uh, from both sides. I mean, it's been a skill that he's he showed in this next uh, few fights as well. So it's real for sure. Um, and he just knows that, you know, he's got this crazy reach. He's got these probably bricks for fucking hands. Uh, and then he could just, you know, if he's really learning to push off that those feet, and get that you know substantial power into his jab like it's for sure a battering ram but i think colby you know he has some adjustments from me looking at the fight if i was like a coach of his um you know some some stuff to to that he needs to do is you know if kamaru was throwing some of those body kicks like yeah a lot of them were landing but even when they wouldn't land like you can't just let that guy continue to throw them and like if you are out of range, you know, just like brisket to the side, you got to counter right off of it. And Colby was letting him, it was like a free strike. It was a sim similar thing. What I was saying last week of where Sanhagen, you know, gives where you give like Peter Jan, you know, moments to where he could get off like easy offense. He's going to take it all the time. And that's what Kamaru was doing in that whole fight. You know, if you're blocking that kick and shooing it away, you got to, throw your own kick right after either inside leg or to the body and you got to make them pay for for those shots if not they're going to pick at you all night and that's what kamaru is very good at he's always putting out offense you know whether it be with that jab with some of those kicks or if he's in the clinch you know this guy you know he he foot stomps he does all these things they're all they all go in line with his strategy which is be more active than the other guy with off effective offense and that's what he does the whole time so that's why he's so difficult to beat 
Um, I think that Kobe does still have a, a a good chance. I think the body shots definitely uh, took a little bit out of him, but I think that some of the you know the punches that he he can tighten up and c- keep the volume up, it shows that he's able to um, you know physically be in there. Kamaru, I, I do I do hope that we do see some clinching and some grappling mixed in there as well because Kobe is one of the best at finishing some of these takedowns, like being kind of like a, a mat wrestler where. Uh, you know, if he's on his knees or he's like on a single leg or he's doing all any of those things, he's able to 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 do very well from there. Although Kamaru, you know, obviously really, really strong hips, I'm sure, and a very strong grappler. But I think that here, Colby, you know, I, I want to see, I'm curious to see how much of that softball stance Kamaru implements here. Is he very aggressive with that jab and working off of it um, like he was uh, versus uh, Masvidal, where he I think he was primarily orthodox, but he was definitely setting up that right cross. Um, see which stance Kamaro uses. And if he is more orthodox, I think that is a mistake for him. I, I think that Kobe's going to be able to land there. I think that's where he got off of most, most more of his offense in the first fight. But I think it's going to be a barn burner, man. I, I'm, I'm going to probably end up uh, on, on Covington here for a little bit, you know, and I'm going to just to stay on that train because I do think this guy is very, very talented. And if, you know, I don't think that Kamaru really should be three to one over him, but you know, I, I personally had the first fight three, one Colby, where I know that's a little bit controversial, but I can't see how people had a three, one Kamaru. I think that's a way worse scorecard personally, me yeah. than three, one Colby. I thought three, one Colby is pretty reasonable. Two, two is probably right. Uh, probably because I had a little bit of a biased slant, but I can't see 3-1 Kamaru. So I think this fight could be close. You know, you never know. Like, Kamaru's gotten away, not away, but he has really good uh, durability. And if any of these punches that Kobe definitely stunned him with, he stunned him multiple times, can stun him here. You know, has Kobe been working on that power uh, and developed some of that a little bit more? I think it's Kobe's time. So, you know, I'm hoping for a big, big, big number on him. And, you know, I have a little splash uh, on on him um yeah one thing i didn't note is uh colby's camp switch he was at att the first fight you know that went sour and now he's training at mma masters i think that's kind of a detriment to him while usman was at uh henry hoof the first fight uh, now he's with trevor whitman uh, i think he probably upgraded coaches so that's definitely something to consider but uh yeah i hope the fight's exciting you know i I'm, i am picking and hoping for usman to knock him out but i definitely hope it's somewhat competitive and uh, that's going to do it for this card. Um, we broke down 14 fights. Amazing card. Incredible main card. Honestly, like on paper, one of the best main cards ever, possibly. And, uh, you know, that we broke down all 14 fights. And uh, any closing thoughts here, Ozzy? No, just uh, I think some of uh, you know, confident, confident areas. I feel very good about Imavov. Um uh, Billy as a, as, a, as a good plus play. And I'm going to, same thing as I did last week, I'm going to dive a little bit more into the props uh, this week. I think maybe some of these overs have some value on it, but I think it will be a lighter card for me overall. I think definitely less than 10 units, depending on who knows though how big I go on Frankie Edgar, but uh, I think I'm going to money line size, I think, you know, won't be huge, um, but I definitely think there will be some prop plays that, uh, that I'll, I'll have some action on, and I'm really liking a few of these other cards that are coming up uh, in, uh, in the month of November, Bellator included. 
Nice, nice. You can find all my track bets on my Bet MMA page. Uh, mine are up there for free. Ozzy's are paid picks. And uh, we'll be back uh, for next week. We got a few more UFCs in a row before uh, the holidays. And uh, you can catch us all next week with the next UFC card. So thank you all for listening. Hope you all enjoyed the fights this weekend. Hope you all win some bets. And we'll see you next week. Peace.